Hi, friends, and welcome to The Afterword, a podcast where we meet up to have a deeper conversation about the truths we're studying in the Bellevue Women Bible Study each week. I'm your host, Donna Gaines, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Dana Street and Jean Stockdale, who's joining us by phone today. You know, we've been walking through Matthew 5 through 7 in our study, This Present Kingdom, the disruptive message of the Sermon on the Mount. And now we've reached one of the most well-known passages in all of Scripture, Matthew 6, 9 through 15, otherwise known as the Lord's Prayer or the Model Prayer. Prayer, like the other spiritual disciplines we've looked at so far, is a way of training and transforming our souls. And it's in this passage, Jesus is teaching us how to draw nearer to our Heavenly Father. And it's through an ongoing conversation with Him. You're listening to The Afterword. Donna, what an awesome job. Thank you so much for bringing God's Word to us in such a strong way this morning. You know, I, as I was studying this week, I really thought, Lord, we could have spent an entire study we could have. in the passage this week. Mm-hmm. It just is so deep. You know, we think it's simple enough for a child to understand, and in fact, it is. Right. But yet it is so deep that I don't think that we could ever finish studying it oh, I think in our right. lifetime. Yeah. You know, it's so much like just the Christian life in general. Like mm. we said this morning, it's simple, but it's not simplistic and it's not right. easy, <laughs> but it is simple. He's given us basic and simple truths that if we will just incorporate these specifically talking about prayer today into our prayer life, he tells us how to order it so mm. that we fix our hearts first on the Father, align with his will. You know, it makes so much sense. It does. <laughs> look it at does. it that way and go, oh Lord, now we get it. We see why you were specific in telling us, first of all, to address our Father and to trust Him as Father and to hallow His name, to recognize that, you know, and and that He tells us how not to pray before He tells us how to pray, which I thought was awesome because He's addressing their culture. They saw the Pharisees that they thought were the greatest and the highest and the most religious of all the people, and yet Jesus is saying, don't pray like them because if you pray to be seen by men, you're not going to be rewarded by the Father. You've got your reward. And in fact, it's indicative of not having a personal prayer time in the secret place when you just live to pray and be seen. Mm, you're right. Well, hey, Jean, thank you so much for joining us today from Austin, oh, it's Texas. A del- yes, it's a delight you, to be with you. I miss being with you in person, but it's a real treat to be with you online. And Donna, the message was just awesome. It was just awesome. I love how you brought out, first of all, the example the Pharisees were giving, which was not a good example to follow. This is how you don't do it to be seen of men. And then Jesus yeah. gives us his example that we might learn from him how we are to approach the Father. I just love that. Oh, thank you. You know, and I love too that he starts off with our Father. Our, yes. Just thinking through that this week, because he could have said my Father. Right. But it was ours. And exactly. in doing that, he invites us, us yes. into his sonship, right. which means it's indicative of the inheritance that we have. That's right. In him. Yeah, that's exactly How beautiful. Right. It is. It is. It so just ministers to your heart, which is beautiful. In fact, Jean, you had sent us some messages or a link to some messages by Chuck Swindoll. And I just listened to a part of one this past week after you sent that to us. But one of the things he said just struck me. He said, Jesus does not guilt people into the kingdom. Mm. He charms them. Them in. Oh, Isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful. <laughs> he, and he does, because what is he saying? You want to be blessed? You want to be happy? Here's what you do. His loving kindness draws us to repentance. So he literally does charm us into the kingdom. And that's a 
that's a good word for us. <laughs> Sweetness of speech. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and one of the things that just really spoke to me as you were teaching was when you talked about the significance of hallowing God's name and how crucial that is in absolutely every area of our life. Oh, certainly. Yes. Because it does reveal our adorations. It reveals who and what we love. And if anything can take that focus off of Christ, then that thing has taken Christ's place. Something about every issue we have can be traced back to who or what we hallow. Exactly. Do you remember how you said that? Yes, basically that all the problems you have in relating to the world or yourself are really problems of adoration. And if you don't hallow God, the problems will show up in petition and confession. And I believe that's so true. You know what? Back when I taught through Leaving Ordinary and we looked at the articles of the tabernacle, even in that, what you're doing is preparing your heart before you get to the altar of incense. Before you ever pray, you've offered yourself as a sacrifice. You've asked God to wash you and cleanse you. You've asked for the filling of the Holy Spirit and for His presence. So like, if, as you've walked through preparing, you're preparing your heart, lining your will up with His before you found or came before the altar of incense, which is right before the throne of God. It's exactly what he's telling Mm. us to do in this model prayer. He is saying, get your heart right before the Father, honor him, hallow him, submit your will to his will, and then you're ready to make petition and confession and to enter into warfare. How do we think we can stand against the schemes of the enemy if we have not first submitted ourselves to the will of the Father? Mm. And, you know, I think we continue to say time and time again that it's all about the heart. But adoration is about who is sitting on the throne of our heart. And any time anyone outside of the Lord is sitting on the throne of our heart, that is what we're hallowing. And no wonder we find ourselves in some of the situations we're in because we've let someone or something take the place that rightfully belongs to the Lord. Yes. Jean, how do you see that working out, not only in your life, but even in our culture and cultural Christianity? It's so true. What we fix our affection on begins to affect every area of our life. And I feel like we're often guilty of rushing into the presence of the Father with our list of petitions, the things that we need from Him before we fully set in His presence. Yes, you're exactly right. You know, I think someone said once, an adoration is worship, basically. Mm. You will become like what you worship, (laughs) what you fix your eyes and heart on. And if we want to become like Christ, we have to choose to adore and to worship Him. We have to choose to fix our eyes on the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and desire to conform to them. And what a beautiful way of doing that. And even working through the names of God. Oh, Yes. (laughs) Just seeing how he has progressively revealed himself in scripture to show us his character Mm. because character is who he is and it is who we are. That's why he goes after the heart. He's going after character transformation, not just external conformity. But you know, the enemy comes at us with lie after lie after lie. And it's almost like you feel like, well, you put your shield up and well, just that one just bounced out. Okay, wait a minute. We have to be really careful to what we're listening to, because like you said this morning, there are two completely different narratives. That's right. And they're both playing all the time. It is the narrative of the enemy and the kingdom narrative, which is the truth that we've got to say, that is what I'm going to believe. And choose to let God write our story. Right. (laughs) To know that the enemy can't unless we allow him to. Right. And that God will write a much more beautiful much more miraculous Mm. story if we will just surrender and allow the author to actually 
write our story for us and not get in the way. I did love the way you tie in submission to his will following adoration, because until we fully love him, until we adore him, worship him, really move into that, we are going to be operating in our own will and not his. So I loved how you tied in submission to his will, following mm -hmm. after him. And that is a reflection, as Dana said, of how much we adore him. Right. Yes, absolutely. You know, when we get down then to our petitions on giving us this day our daily bread, I mean, I think we get that one. We mm -hmm. know that they're basic daily needs. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. Right. We just take care of today. But the confession one on forgiving us mm. our sins, our debts, as we forgive our debtors, you know, that was an ouch. Am I really willing to pray, Father, forgive me as I forgive right. others? As, in the, same, in the way. same way. Yes, yeah. in the same way that I forgive others. Oh, that's tough. And just being willing to lay down whatever it is. If I'm being honest, that is a daily practice that we have to die to self. Sometimes people don't even mean the things that they say, but right. but they can sit on our hearts if we allow them to. I'm not going to hold that grudge. That feeling, that emotion, that grudge is not worth me losing Absolutely. fellowship with the Holy God. Absolutely. And when you get it, when you break it down to that, which is the reality, we realize there's not anything no. worth that. Nothing's worse quenching or grieving the Holy Spirit. No. I had a quote from Charles Quarles. He said about this petition of confession was the only one of the six to be explained in the immediate context. Jesus was thus teaching that if one is so hypocritical as to seek forgiveness from God and to refuse to express that same forgiveness to others, God will refuse to forgive him in the final judgment. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I don't know that we ever seriously contemplate the truth that Jesus is presenting here. Because if we did, we wouldn't hold on to anything. I'm telling you, not a thing. Because it is piddly, one of my husband's words, <laughs> in light of all we've been forgiven of. You know, it you is. think about the parable Jesus told about the guy that was, you know, forgiven millions and he goes out and somebody owes him 10 bucks and he wants him to be thrown in prison until he pays back the debt. That's the comparison. When we look at what we've been forgiven, how can we not forgive others? And, you know, then it leads us into the whole idea of spiritual warfare. Right. Once, Again, all of these things are progressive and preparing us to be able to stand and not be led into temptation and protected from the enemy. In that we talked about the, the spiraling thoughts and taking thoughts captive and how the battle really is in the mind. What is a lie that the enemy has given you that you've had to take captive? It can be something from your past. It can be something current that you've had to say, nope, that's not right. And you choose instead to replace it with the word of God. Uh, well, in my case, because I, unlike the two of you, came to faith in Christ as an adult, the lie that continually ran in the loop of my head was that I was not worthy. I had a hard time moving from a very sinful past that I could recall very easily, and the enemy certainly brought a lot of that up to me, to realizing that my worth, my value was in Christ. That was something I had to consciously work on was what my self-worth was based upon. And once I began to understand through study of the word and through good preaching and teaching that it was through Christ that I had been made worthy, then I had to begin to replace the enemy's lies readily having scripture in hand to combat that, I had to replace the enemy's lies with the truth of God's word right. that in Christ, that I was beloved and in Christ, I was forgiven in Christ, I was redeemed and sealed, all of those things. That's why Ephesians chapter one is very, very precious to Amen. me. Yes. Yes, it is. In fact, 
anybody listening, go to Ephesians chapter one. If that's yes. an issue, the enemy hits all of us with you're not worthy. You don't measure up. Go to Ephesians 1 and just make a list of all the blessings that we have because we're in Christ Jesus. In fact, that passage actually says we've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ, and we need to live from that identity. Boy, the enemy just really does a number on us when we don't believe God's Word. I think the thing that I have probably over years and years and years really had to deal with is I'm just not good enough. To think that Dana would succumb to I'm not good enough, as multi-talented and gifted as she is, <laughs> shows Seriously. you. Those of us on the outside, we all look at others and think they've got it all together. They have all the gifts, all the talents, and yet the enemy hits you with you're not good enough. We were in Gardendale, and I remember getting up one morning, and I was putting on my makeup, looking in the mirror, and I am telling you, I heard the lie. You are ugly. You are not worth anything. You are not good enough. And I think it was that moment when I just went, enough. Enough is enough <laughs> is enough. Yeah. And I began putting little sticky notes up on the mirror, try to flip from the narrative of the enemy to the narrative of the kingdom. And really spent a lot of time immersing myself in Psalm 139. Mm-hmm. And God just really spoke to me. And let me know that if I did not believe Psalm 139, I was not going to be able to continue to grow with him. And I would not see, realized in my life, what it is that he had for me. Now, I wish I could tell you that I had not gone back there since then. It was a major breaking point for me. But a lot of times with things that we're working through, especially after years and years of listening to the lie, God's healing presence You know, I am finding myself over and over again saying, God, meet me today with your healing presence. And whatever I face today, would you please give me joy? Give me your joy in it. And it is just really continuing to help change my perspective. I want to see things the way you see them. I'm really good about that with other people. Right. Mm. But when it comes Mm. to me, that is some, some, and there's times it's just a struggle. And... To be blatantly honest, when I feel that creeping back in, I realize that what's sitting on the throne of my heart is me. And that can't be. Right. Not an experience all that God has for us. That's the thing. The enemy is setting up decoys, (laughs) lies that he's wanting us to believe. And it's to keep us from experiencing. When you said, you know, I would see, I immediately thought I would see the goodness of the Lord, the land of the Mm. living. And God has such goodness for us to see if we will just believe, take him at his word and believe. Well, Jean, I know everybody looks at you and they just think you're the perfect mom and the perfect wife of Mr. Stockdale. I know she's always laughing (laughs) and having a good time. So let us in, Jean, what's the secret? Well, I love what Dana said, that it is a process What fascinates me about spiritual warfare is how the enemy can make us so easily believe the lie when we have the truth of God's word and yet we stumble at believing it. 
We so quickly buy into the lie. It makes such good sense. We think we're unworthy. We think we're unlovely. We think we're not enough. We think we're not capable enough. It's all the lies of the enemy, but we buy into it so easily. And Dana, as you said, we've become so accustomed to believing those lies that changing our way of thinking, it takes a lot of work. And it is a process of catching those lies, as you said in the lesson today, Donna, the spiral, stopping the spiral, turning it around by the power of the word. But it is laughable to me that anybody thinks I have my life all together. I've told uh, Dana (laughs) before when I sit at the table with uh, Dana and Donna, I feel like I'm the outlier because I operate uh, without a schedule, without organization. I live fully in my feelings and you two get so much more done and so efficient. And that's not the story of my life at all. God has done a great work in my life. I praise the Lord for it, but I met him over 40 years ago and he began dismantling a fractured young woman who had bought into so many lies and was living under such control of the enemy. Now, if you had asked me if I was, I would have told you certainly not. But in reality, I was absolutely a puppet in the hand of the enemy. Whatever he said to do, I was doing it. I was engaged in all sorts of things I should not have been. And then I met Christ. And everything changed. But oh, my soul, as both of you beloved friends know, it is a long, slow, painful process. And often because it is slow, we think it's not working. And the enemy just moves in even stronger. But when we come back to what the word of the Lord says, thus says the Lord. This is truth. When we begin building that into our lives, then slowly, very slowly, God begins to do this fresh new work. That's right. But we die to the flesh. We die to self over and over and over and over again (laughs) so that we refuse the lie and believe the truth of God's word. That's right. We said it's simple, but we did say it is not easy. That's it right. is hard That's and it's right. a struggle. With yeah. the, the flesh puts up a struggle. It does not want to die, <laughs> but we take it to the cross and the Lord gives us the power to be able to do it. And he does take apart the old to bring in the new. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of salvation. He literally makes us a brand new creation Mm -hmm. in Jesus Christ and what glory and joy there is in that. And we're in the midst of Holy Week. And so we're looking forward to Easter and to being able to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior and the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. He is risen. And because he is risen, and lives within us through the power of his Holy Spirit, he has given us the ability to look up and to look out. Not to spend all of our time gazing inward, (laughs) but to look up and fix our eyes on Jesus and to look out into a hurting and lost world and take Jesus to them and meet tangible needs. And Dana has a whole pile of kingdom exercise cards on the discipline of giving with women's Oh, I was just so blessed by the way ladies have just anonymously, we don't know who did any of these things, but just in secret so how they fun. Go. from yes. serving someone to leaving a great tip to putting a bible in a in a hotel room leaving the Gideon bible open to Psalm 23 with money stuck in the bible just little things like that taking a meal to someone sitting with someone who's grieving with had just gotten a really bad hospital diagnosis a medical diagnosis and just going and sitting with them and just being present there are so many precious ways that women have listed that they're giving to others so our challenge as we close today is that you will set aside that time 
every day for the most important appointment of your day, and that is your time with the Lord. And as you spend time with him, would you just take the Sermon on the Mount, this outline, this model for prayer and use it? If you don't have kind of a structured way of walking through your prayers, or maybe you don't really even have a developed prayer life, this is a way for you to do that. And simply, it's just a heart checkup, getting your heart and your will in line with the Lord before you move into your petitions. And he cares for you. And he cares about the things that you care about. And he loves you. And he really is the lifter of your head and the one who can bind up your broken heart. So we pray today that you will turn to him, that you will meet him there, and that you will join us in celebrating our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me close this in prayer. Father, we do thank you for the incredible gift of prayer that you have made the way for us in your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, what beautiful testimony to him making and being the way and that you tore the veil in the temple from top to bottom when Christ died and gave up his spirit, paying the debt for our sin. Not only did you open the way for us to come in, but Father, you opened the way for your spirit to be released because it was there in the Holy of Holies that your spirit, the Shekinah glory of God, dwelt. And now you have come because of Calvary and the applied blood of Jesus to our souls. You have come to indwell us and make us temples of the living God. Father, may we never get over that. And may we live in constant communion and communication with you that your kingdom might come and your perfect will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Afterward Podcast is a production of Bellevue Women and Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. For more Bible studies and other resources, visit bellevue.org women.